Well, thank you, Dave and Josiah and the rest of the praise team. Also, a big thanks to those who were here to set up the tents. Uh, very appreciative of that. I was reminded when I gave announcements, it totally blanked to my mind. The offering plate is also on the table. Uh, that's the other fishbowl. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to take the time to uh, bow to our Heavenly Father and pray to Him by faith in the name of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So please, please bow with me. Heavenly Father, how good it is to be gathered here uh, this morning uh, to worship You and to praise Your awesome name. And Lord, we uh, just want to boast in You. We, we, we come before Your throne of grace. We come here this morning with a spirit of humility. Uh, with the spirit of John the Baptist who said, uh, You must increase, I must decrease, Father. That's, that's our heart's cry this morning, uh, that we would just exalt you and lift you high, uh, and that uh, we would not think too highly of ourselves, that we would not be boasting in our own might, or our riches, or our wisdom, or any of the many other things that we are prone to boast in, but that, Lord, our, our, our true heart's desire, the thrill of our hearts this morning would be uh, to lift you high, uh, to lift you up, and to make much of you. For you and you alone are worthy of such boasting. Uh, all other boasting is sinful. All other boasting is self-worship. And, Lord, we want to die to self-worship, and we want to worship you and you alone. And we want to do that because of what you have worked for us, wrought for us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How we praise you for the cross and how the Lord Jesus Christ bore the penalty for our sin, bore your wrath for our sin, uh, that we uh, might be forgiven of our sin, that we might by faith and faith alone be declared righteous in your sight. And then your Son rose from the dead, victorious over sin and Satan and death. And Lord, such truth may it just thrill up deep within our souls uh, with every fiber of our being to just want to boast in you. And Father, we do lift up to you a number of uh, concerns uh, that are on our hearts and our minds this morning. Uh, we lift up to you uh, Cody Visser and just his, his ongoing struggle with, with stomach issues and just not sure what's going on. And Lord, we pray for his doctors. Uh, that you grant to them wisdom, that all the many tests that they've run, Lord, that they would yield some kind of result to know how to move forward. But Lord, we also pray for Cody through all of this, just to be trusting in you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that trials like this, they're not an oops, they're not an accident. It's not because you fell asleep, but Lord, you have a, a plan and a purpose uh, to, mo to mold Cody more into your image through this. Help him to think on that and grow much in Christ through this, to be to be more like Christ because of it. And Lord, we also this morning pray for Ron Werner, Penny's brother. Uh, Lord, we pray for, again, wisdom for his doctors. Lord, we especially pray for his salvation, uh, that as he uh, goes through all that he's going through, that it would just show him the frailty of life, uh, and that you would be gracious to him, be merciful to him, and help him to call upon you in faith uh, while you are still near, while you can still be found. And Father, we also pray for uh, Landon. Uh, we thank you that he's, he's doing better. Uh, we pray for a uh, continued improvement there. Uh, we also pray for Rex Harris with the aneurysm below his heart as he sees the doctors soon. That Again, you grant to them wisdom that they would know how to move forward. And, and Lord, we just pray for our whole church body uh, that we would be putting into practice what, what your word says, that we would be following you and that we would be uh, making 
our, our Lord, that we would be uh, catching fish, that we would be fervent with the gospel, and that we would be through your strength and with your wisdom and your power and your resources, not in our own, but all in yours, Lord, that we would be saturating every nook and cranny of Allegan and Berry County with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. We just pray that you would hallow your name in that way, that you would be pleased to move in that way for your namesake, for the building of your kingdom, which you and you alone can build. And Lord, we think also of the country in which we live. Uh, we thank you for those whom you have placed in authority over us. Lord, they need your wisdom. They need your righteousness. They need your justice. And so Lord, we pray for each one of them uh, that they would do what's right in your sight, that they wouldn't be caught up into a popular opinion, Lord, that they would remember that truth is not a democracy, that truth was established by you, um, that they would follow hard after you and make decisions that please and honor you, Lord. We pray that lo locally all the way up uh, to the White House, Lord, that such decisions would be made. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for our, our police. We thank you for our fire department. We thank you for the armed services. We thank you for all those who are first responders, uh, Lord, and just the many sacrifices that they make. We pray that you'd watch over them and protect them. And Father, we also just pray for the world in which we live. Uh, I just want to lift up to you some particular missionaries that we support here. And Lord, I, li I lift up to you the Torreses, Al and Missy, and their family uh, as they uh, are, are doing some VBSs this month. And I believe next month, I just pray that these VBSs would be effective in, in getting the gospel out, that many boys and girls and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas would hear the gospel and come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also pray for the Nolans and their ministries through Word of Life, uh, that you would richly bless them. And Lord, I, specifically for the Nolans and the Torreses, Lord, I just lift them up to you, that whatever burdens are on their hearts, whatever struggles they're going through, uh, Lord, that they would just be looking to you and trusting in you. Lord, we know that the missionaries aren't aren't some kind of like super Christian or, or super disciple, but they're they're everyday Christians, ordinary Christians just like us, and they need as much as your grace as we do. And so, Lord, we just pray for them, that you would watch over them, protect them, bless them, and that you would cause your gospel to go forth in power as they seek to labor for you. And Lord, we, as we look to your word now, we just pray for your spirit to do a mighty work in our hearts and that all that is said and done would be in demonstration of your power and your wisdom, not ours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> if you would, if you have your copy of God's Word, or if you have it on your phone, whatever it is that you're using, uh, David read it earlier, but if you would turn to, or push the buttons to, Jeremiah chapter 9, uh, verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah chapter 9, Verses 23 and 24. And it says, starting in verse 23, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed how much we like to brag? We do it all the time. We brag almost anywhere. We can brag or boast at home, 
at school, at work, on social media. My word, social media is just brag after brag after brag. We can do it at church. You can boast, you can brag pretty much anywhere. You can also boast or brag about pretty much anything. You can brag about your marriage. Uh, you can brag about your children. You can boast in your career, your fishing, right? No one around here does that, right? Your sports, we can boast in our sports. Uh, sometimes we boast how much we pray, uh, how much we read scripture, how many charities we support. And, and weirdly enough, sometimes I hear people boasting or bragging about how humble they are. I'm not sure how those two go together, uh, but I hear people do that. We can also boast in various ways. I think a common way that we boast is by one-upping. Uh, we one-up all the time. Like a common way you might hear this is someone might say, man, I'm tired, I worked 50 hours this week. To which the reply comes, oh yeah? I worked 70 hours this week. This one-upping, you know? Or something along, along the lines of, I, I went shopping today and I, I saved a hundred dollars at the sales and you're like great that's amazing you know what I saved 200 I wasn't even trying you know we, we one up <clears throat> another way that we boast uh, that's qu quite common I think and I would encourage you just to examine if, if you do this or not but I think a common way that we boast is when we're talking to other people we're always talking about ourselves you're not asking them about their day or their week or how their life is going or what struggles that they have. You're just talking about yourself constantly. And if someone else starts talking, you just kind of politely listen until you have an opportunity to get right back in there and start talking about yourself again. Uh, that's another form of boasting. And you know, we Christians <coughs> and we pastors are, are not uh, exempt from boasting either. Often pastors and churches will boast about the number of baptisms, the number of, of members or the attendance that we have, the, the size of our staff, the size of our budget, how many mission, missionaries we send out. We one up. Hey, praise the Lord, we had three baptisms last year. Another pastor, will, that's great. We had 33 baptisms last year. You know, is, is, are we boasting in the Lord with that? Or are we boasting in something that we think about ourselves? So there's no shortage of ways to boast. And honestly, it's very uh, addictive to boast. And our text has a lot to say about boasting. Uh, in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, five times the word boast is repeated. It's actually in the Hebrew is the word halel, which means to glorify, to praise, uh, to, to boast. So it's a worship word. So when you're going through Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24, and you see that word boast, you see it's a worship word. And what you need to think about is what you praise or what you glory in says a lot about what's important in your life. What you treasure, you boast in. What you value, you boast in. Uh, we boast in, in things like, look at what I have, look at what I can do, look at who I know. We're, we're, we're boasting in ourselves. And I think most Boasting is self-worship, it's self-praise, getting others to think highly of ourselves. And reality is, God wants us to boast. He just doesn't want us to boast about ourselves, right? And so our text is going to show us three ways not to boast. Because if you boast about these things, you're wasting your life. He says if you're boasting about wisdom and might and money, you're wasting your life. But then after that, he says, here's what you should boast in, that you understand and know me. That's the only pursuit worth running after. So point number one this morning, uh, how to waste your life. 
uh, verse 23 makes it very uh, clear how to waste your life. Let me read it one more time. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Now I want to say here, before I kind of explain this a little bit, that those three things in and of themselves, wisdom and might and money, are not bad. Right? In and of, those thi- in and of themselves, those things are not bad. In fact, we need those things, do we not? Uh, wisdom. Man, I need wisdom. Don't you guys need wisdom? We need it. We need more wisdom. Wisdom is very, very, very much needed. We need might. We need strength. Uh, that's, that's a good thing to be able to do the things you need to do. It's good to exercise and, and take care of your body. That, that's good. Uh, money is a good thing. We need money to pay bills. We need money to help others. Uh, so those three things in and of themselves are not bad. The danger is when we tend to glory in them and we find our confidence in them and we think too highly of them and put our trust in them and those things even begin to capture our affections. And I would say that's foolish for two reasons. Number one, I would say it's foolish to boast in those three things because those things, however much money you have or wisdom you have or strength you have, where did that come from? It comes from God, right? That doesn't come from you. If you have a high IQ, where'd that come from? That's God. If you have lots of money, that came from God. Whatever you have, it's a gift from God. And so to boast about it, as if you had something to do with it, that's pretty foolish. It all comes from Him. Every ounce of strength, every penny, every every, uh, IQ that you have, it's all from God. So it's foolish to boast in those things. It's also foolish to boast in these things, wisdom, might, and money, because they're limited. They're very, very limited. Think, think about wisdom. We boast in our education. We boast in our natural intelligence. We boast in our IQ, our street smarts, and our wit and all those things, our grade point average. But our wisdom is very limited. It's very inadequate. It's very unreliable. I can prove that to you very easily. Do you know how? I can just simply say this. Your experience has been the same as my experience. The more you learn, what? The more you realize you don't know right? The smarter you get, correspondingly the dumber you get. (laughs) So wisdom is very inadequate because the more of it you have, the more of it you realize that you need and and you're lacking. It's the same with might and we we boast in our might, we boast in our physical skill, we boast in our strength, we we boast in our fitness, our muscle tone, our beauty. Again, that's, that's very, very limited. People who build their lives around sports you're one injury away from it all going away, right? Or, 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 or think about your, your physical body, your physical strength, how you can be fine one day and you wake up in the morning and suddenly you're not. Your strength is sapped. Maybe your back goes out and you can't move for weeks, right? Our might, as much as we like to boast in it, is very limited, it's very frail. It's the same with money. We love the glory in our money, our homes, our cars, our boats, our IRAs, our savings. We live in a a world where people desperately want more money, but the Bible warns us a lot about money. Uh, And the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, saved Jesus Christ, of course. But Solomon wrote this, uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist 
Did you hear that? Do not toil to acquire wealth. Don't spend all of your energy to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Why? Proverbs 23, verse 5, when your eyes light on money, it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. That's the truth of it, isn't it? it? As, As soon as you can get money, it's gone. And so the Bible warns greatly about money. And again, the problem with with wisdom, might, or money is not having wisdom, might, or money, but focusing all of your attention and effort on them. That's foolish because it's relative. That's foolish because it all comes from God. Look at verse 12 in Jeremiah chapter 9. The scriptures say, Who is the man so wise that he can understand this? To whom has the mouth of the Lord spoken that he may declare it? Why is the land ruined and laid waste like a wilderness so that no one passes through? Remember, this is written to the people of Israel. A Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar have come through and ransacked the land. And Israel is asking this question. Why is the land ruined and laid waste like a wilderness so that no one passes through? And what was going on is Israel was putting all of their trust in political strategy. That's wisdom. That's earthly wisdom, right? They're putting all their trust in political strategy. They're putting all their trust in political alliances, other armies coming to help them. They're putting all their trust in their own resources, but none of it could prevent the collapse of their nation. King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon came through, uh, brought them into exile. Israel can't understand why that's happening, and God is saying that is happening because you were boasting in your wisdom, in your strength, and in your money. That's what God is saying in our text. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar and, and Babylon, they weren't immune to this false confidence. If you read through Daniel, on uh, Daniel chapter 5, remember in Daniel chapter 5, uh, they're having, uh, the empire of Babylon's having this great feast, and suddenly this hand appears and starts writing on the wall. Remember that? And what, what the translation of what the Lord writes on the wall is, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And so Babylon fell into their own self-confidence, and God weighed them and said they're found wanting. And so that very night, the Persians came in and took the kingdom of Babylon uh, away into exile. And if you need more convincing about the frailty and the limited nature of human wisdom and might and money, just look at our country. Right? Just look at our country. Have we not been weighed and found wanting? Just think about the virus for a second. Whatever your thoughts are on the virus, I think we can agree on this. With all of our medical wisdom and all of our might and all of our riches, we didn't see this coming. We couldn't prevent this from coming. This tiny, 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 minuscule microbe has utterly took us to our knees. Are we going to trust in our might, our wisdom, our riches? You see, we are wasting our lives. You are wasting your life. I'm wasting my life if I'm putting it, all of my trust and confidence in wisdom, might, and money. Those are like ropes of sand. Let me apply this to the church for a second. Because it's easy to kind of pick on the nation a little bit. I'm not picking on the nation. I, I hope that that stirs us to pray for our nation. 
Uh, but if we think about the church, sometimes as, as a church, a church will groan and complain. If we just had the right program, what is that? That's human wisdom, right? If we just had the right program, if we just had more people, what is that? That's might and strength, right? If we just had a bigger budget, what's that? That's money, right? Now, are those things in and of themselves bad? No. Do we want those things? Yes. But if we keep grumbling and complaining that if we just had this program or if we just had this many people or if we just had this kind of budget, then we could do this, 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 this. Where's our confidence? Where's our trust? Where's our boast? What are we boasting? And I ask you, why would we ever want to settle for church according to our wisdom, our might, our money? That's a wasted church. Amen? That's a wasted church. God would say to us, if we're putting all of our trust in our programs and our budget and the size of people that we have, he would say, you have been weighed and you have been found wanting. A life spent pursuing wisdom, might, or money apart from God is a tragic waste of life building a foundation on quicksand. If you're pursuing money, physical fitness, doctorate degrees, and you're not doing that with God at the center, it is a tragic waste. So that's how to waste your life. And if we're being honest, it's easy to do, isn't it? Well, thankfully it doesn't stop there. Verse 24 tells us how not to waste your life. It tells us the only pursuit that matters. Verse 24 says... But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. So if we're not supposed to boast in, in wisdom and money and, and, and might, what are we supposed to boast in? We're supposed to boast in that you understand and know God. That's what matters. That's the most important thing of all, understanding and knowing God. What does it mean to understand God? Well, well the word there means to have accurate, factual insight an accurate understanding of God as He really is. That's what the word understanding there means. To have an actual, accurate understanding of God as He has revealed Himself. Not what you think He should be like, but what the Word of God actually says. A true understanding of Him. That's what it means to understand Him. But it's not just enough to understand Him factually. We also need to know Him. And knowing means this intimate, relational experiential knowledge. So what it's saying there in verse 24 when it says, boast in this, that you understand and know me, it's saying, boast that you understand who God as he really is revealed in the scriptures. Boast in that. Uh, and, and honestly, we have a lot of work to do in this regard. I have a lot of work to do in this regard. We need to shed our minds of misconceptions about God. We all have them. We all have misconceptions of God. We all have unlearning to do. And it's tragic when our conceptions of God are shaped by the culture. Or when our conceptions of God are, are shaped by what other people say the Word of God says. But you yourself aren't digging into God's Word to see what it actually says. So what, what that means when it says we need to boast in understanding God is it means you and I need to be humble and allow the Word of God to correct you and to change your way of thinking about Him as, as you make your way through it. And then when you understand God rightly, 
then you may know him, embrace him with love and loyalty. You begin to see him in his splendor and his majesty, and you start to boast in this, that you understand and you know him. That, that is the sum and substance of the life. Nothing even comes close to the importance of knowing God. We were made to know God, understand Him, think hard about Him, know Him, trust Him, love Him with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Be in an active relationship with Him. Listen to Him, speak to Him, delight in Him. This is the highest pursuit that you can pursue in your life. Pursue it with excellence. This is the reason why you live. The reason God gives you breath. The reason He gives you a mind is to know and understand Him. Everything else is trivial. So just some things to think about this morning. How real and alive is God to you right now? How real and alive is God to you right now? Does His majesty fill your thoughts? Does His love soften your hearts? Does His grace thrill your soul? Does His holiness purify your life? Can you say you hunger after God's Word? Do you study it? Do you think hard on it? Do you let it correct you and train you in righteousness? Can you genuinely say right now that you are pursuing God and seeking to understand Him and know Him with your utmost efforts? And I'll tell you what I encounter over the years as I say these things. What I often encounter is someone who will say something along the, line, along the lines of, especially when I talk about digging deep into God's Word, I'll hear someone say something along the lines of, that's not for me, I'm, I'm not a theologian. You ever hear someone say that? I'm not a theologian. Or maybe you yourself have said that. I want you to understand something. Everyone is a theologian. Everyone is a theologian. Whether you're a good one or not, that depends on how much you base it on this. But everyone has thoughts and a view on God. Everyone is a theologian. The question is, are you a biblical theologian? And if, if, if you want to grow in that, guess what you do? You dig into God's Word. You become a part of a faithful a, a church that faithfully expounds God's Word. Uh, and, and you yourself personally pursue God. Like Psalm chapter 1, you become like the psalmist who meditated on God's Word once every three or four weeks. Is that what it says? Who meditated on the Word of God, what? Day and night. And you say, I don't have time to do it day and night. Guess what? You memorize God's Word and you can meditate on it day and night. We're all theologians. We're all called to dig deep into God's Word. We're all called to understand Him. That's why you have uh, life. God wants you to understand Him. He wants you to get a good mental sweat going when you come to His Word and seeking to understand Him. He wants you to ponder the rich and deep truth of God's Word. And what you'll find out after doing that, even if you do that for a lifetime, you'll be like Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton is considered by many to be uh, the sharpest mind, uh, the sharpest scientist. Uh, at the end of his life, he's, he's, he's known to have said this. He says, I, I feel like a little boy walking by the seashore, and I'm picking up all these pebbles, and turning the pebble over, and looking, looking at the pebble, and I'm fascinated by this pebble. But all before me lays this vast ocean of undiscovered truth. If that's true of the scientific world, 
That's infinitely more true of this. Dig deep into God's Word. This, this is what you should boast in, that you understand Him and you want to know Him more. Or sometimes people will say the opposite. They'll say something like, I don't need all that doctrine. I don't want all that doctrine. I just want to know God. I want to feel His presence. I want to know His love. Amen. We all do. And how that happens is through a deeper understanding of God. The deeper you go in your understanding of God's Word, the deeper your love and peace and joy and every other emotion and affection you can think of will grow correspondingly with it. Today, all sorts of subjects and topics and issues are discussed and followed, uh, but it seems to me that the knowledge of God is often neglected. It seems to me that God gets our leftovers. I think we need to repent and learn to say with the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 7, and 8, he said, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So Orangeville Baptist Church, I've been praying all week that, that the Lord would use this sermon uh, in, and in my life and in your life to put a fire in your soul, a fire in your belly that you can't put out and keeps burning hotter and brighter, hotter and brighter to understand God and to know Him. That is why you exist and that is the only thing worth boasting about. Make Him your highest pursuit. Live for that for which you were created. It's not about making more money, getting a new house, getting a new car, or, or winning the big game. That's not what you're created for. Understanding and knowing God, that's why you were created. Amen? Amen. And not just that, also to delight in God, because it goes on to say in verse 24, Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, and what should we understand and know about God, specifically that I am the Lord, and I practice steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Catch that last part, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Why, why do you think Jeremiah uh, writes, or why the Lord tells us what God delights in? It's so that you and I will also delight in them. Yes? If we, if we kn understand and know God and what He delights in, then should not that be which we also delight in? For the more we understand and know Him, that which delights Him should also delight us. And we see three things that He delights in. God the Father delights in steadfast love. That word in the Hebrew is kased, and it's such a rich word, it takes like six or seven other words in English to, to get the point across. <laughs> uh, the, the word means loyalty, covenant love, love that is constant, a never-failing love. It never gives up. It's unfailing in its devotion. It's loving kindness. But not, not only is God a steadfast love, He is just. That's a broad term that refers to doing the fair thing, the just thing, the right thing. That God's actions in regards to God's people is always right and good and perfect. You need to hear this. God is love. God is also just. <clears throat> and we often take God's love and drown out His justice. Right? He is love, but He is also just. God condemns
wicked and punishes them with eternal judgment. God will bring every deed to judgment, whether open or secret. And also, correspondingly, God does not let the righteous go unrewarded. God vindicates the righteous and rewards them. And God also delights in righteousness, which simply means the right action, a commitment to the truth, uh, perfect in all his actions. Now, if you want ultimate proof of that, look to the cross. Because the cross is where you see God's love and God's justice uh, and God's <coughs> righteousness displayed perfectly. The Bible says that God so loved the world that whoever believes on his son Jesus should not perish but will have everlasting life. The Bible also says this is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life. The cross is a perfect picture of God's love. The cross is also a perfect picture of God's justice. God is just and holy, and he could not overlook your sin or mine. And so he gave a substitute. His son, Jesus Christ, took the justice that you and I deserve so that God can be just and the justifier of the ungodly. The cross is also the per perfect picture of righteousness. Remember, Jesus is the sinless Lamb of God, our perfect substitute on the cross. And now by faith in Jesus Christ, we can receive that gift of righteousness. Jesus did all of that. The cross is the picture of God's righteousness, God's justice, and God's love. And so Christians, if you want to know and understand God, if you want to boast about something this morning, boast in the cross. Boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, delight in that. Say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. I'm going to read that again. God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is our boast. Amen? Amen. Are you boasting in the cross? Are you boasting in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Now in Jeremiah's day, verses 20, 23 and 24 are a call to repentance to Israel, a call to turn from pursuing earthly wisdom and, and, and those kind of things. It's a call for Israel to come back and make God his first priority. And I believe it's a call for us as a nation this morning uh, to, to turn to God, to make God our first priority. It's also a call to every single one of us here this morning, every single person watching on, on, on the live stream right now, that, that these verses are a call to us to make God our first priority. To, to turn to Him, to turn from our sin, and to pursue Him. And you can do that. You can do that right now. Maybe as the Word of God has been going out, the, the Spirit is convicting you that you have been boasting in money, you have been boasting in wisdom, uh, you have uh, been boasting in might. And the Word of God is calling you to help you see that's a wasted life. And the Word of God is calling upon you to see, uh, to turn from that, and to pursue that which only matters, and that's God and God alone. If the Lord is doing that in your heart right now, then don't delay. Call to Him now. Turn from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, don't boast in yourself. Don't say something like, well, I'm okay. I, I do lots of good things. I'm going to heaven when I die because I was baptized or because I try really hard to be good or I go to church. Don't, don't, don't boast in those things. Boast in Christ. The question is, who's going to receive the glory, God or you? And if you think you can be forgiven or have eternal life because of the things that you do, that's you boasting, and God will have nothing to do with that. He alone saves. 
and He will save you freely and fully if you will come to Him with nothing but your sin. And He will forgive it, He will wash it away, He will cleanse you from your sin. It doesn't matter how deep, how dark, how terrible, or how many, God forgives. He's steadfast love. So if you would know God, please do that now. And Christian, if you already have received Christ by faith, then get busy understanding and knowing Him. And get busy delighting in what He delights in. If our homes and our families and our churches and our neighborhoods and our country need anything, it needs steadfast love, it needs justice, it needs righteousness. If we need anything, we need those things. It needs Christians who know God and delight in God. And if we're honest, though, as I had to think through this my week, this week as I was studying through this and the Lord works in my heart, uh, honestly, these things are often all too missing in our life, aren't they? Steadfast love, justice, righteousness. I would just ask you, are, are these things present in your family life? Are they present in your marriage? As a mom or a dad... Are you mom? Are you dad? Are you delighting in these things? Are you modeling these things to your children? Are you modeling steadfast love? Are you modeling justice? When your children disobey, do, do you let them run, a, run around, do whatever they want to do, and totally disobey you without, without discipline? Is that justice? Is that modeling God's justice? Or how about with the Word of God? How often do your children see you with the Word of God open? How often do they hear you talking about it? How often do they see you, mom and dad, loving each other and serving each other and caring for each other? How much do they know God's love because of the way you love them? That's something to think about, isn't it, as, as a mom and a dad? And as a mom and a dad, do you reward acts of righteousness? When your children do what's right, do you praise them for it? Or do they only know the evil eye from you? You know that, that look that dads can give or moms can give when kids are disobeying? We can give them that look and they know. <laughs> they know to shape up. But if that's all they ever see from you as a father or a mother is that look, and they never see a smile, they never get praise, are you practicing steadfast love? Yes, it's important to teach our children to get good grades, to get a great education. We want to encourage them at uh, their interests like sports and arts. We want to encourage them to, to grow to be a godly man or, or to be a, uh, yeah, a godly man or woman. But, it, but if we teach our kids to pursue grades and education and sports, but we don't teach them how God is at the center of all of it, we are missing the point about being parents. Parents is the way you're parenting helping your children to boast in God. The same is true of marriages. You're missing the point of marriage if knowing and delighting in God are not at the center of all of it. I ask again, is, is your love steadfast? Husband and wife, is your love steadfast? Is it unfailing devotion towards one another? Is your love faithful? How about this? Do you delight in serving one another? Because love sacrifices self, yes? Love looks to the interests of others. Uh, so husband and wife, do you delight in serving others as God the Father has served you through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you delight in praising one another? How about with church life? 
Why should churches practice church discipline? You didn't see that one coming, did you? Why should churches practice church discipline? Why shouldn't we let church members sin with impunity? Because God is what? He's just. He's holy. And we, we love others and we want them to know Christ and sin gets in the way of that. Why, why does it seem that so many Christians regularly church hop and bail out of churches left and right when their prefaces aren't met or, or, or things, that they, uh, <clears throat> things don't go their way? Where's the steadfast love? That's what church membership is all about. Steadfast love. Unfailing devotion. I'm going to stick to this church and, and with all the strength God gives me, I'm going to serve and work for the building of God's kingdom here. Even with all the warts and bumps and everything else that Orangeville Baptist Church has, we have them. Orangeville Baptist Church is not perfect. Proof number one is me. <laughs> Why do we stick with church when sometimes we feel burned by church? Because of God's steadfast love. Is it clicking? Is it making sense? As we think through these characteristics of God and what He delights in practicing, do you delight in practicing them? I also want you to understand that our, our discipleship pathway, believe, belong, become, build, uh, that's all about helping you understand and know God. That's why I get excited about that. Uh, I think it's, it's a well-thought-out strategy to, to do that for us. So Orangeville Baptist Church, the highest pursuit of life is to understand God, to know God, and delight in God. Do not boast about how smart you think you are, how strong you are, how rich you are, how hard you try. There's only one thing that matters, only one thing to boast about. Understanding and knowing and delighting in God. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you have nothing to boast about. If you do know Jesus this morning, you have everything to boast about. So let's boast this morning. Let's boast 24-7. Let's boast and boast and boast until eternity comes. And guess what we're going to do for eternity? Boast and boast and boast all the more in God. For He alone is worthy. Amen? Amen. So we're going to have two very practical ways this morning for us as a church body to boast. Uh, one of them is going to be a, a time of testimony. And so you've heard, heard this truth about God, that he uh, loves steadfast love and justice and righteousness. So we're going to give the church body an opportunity, anyone and everyone, hopefully, to come up. Uh, are, they, are they using this microphone? Do you guys know? Either, either microphone you can use. Come up and boast about God's love. Boast about his justice. Boast about his righteousness. Boast about what he's teaching you, right? Uh, come up and boast about those things. And hopefully there's not much of a lull. Hopefully you guys will just pop them. Do there's no reason to slow down. If you're excited about these things, let's just get up here. Let's make a line and boast. And then after that, we're going to boast through the Lord's Supper. And I'll explain more about that when we get to that.